magicians, wizards, apparitions, adult language, and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not enter the house of mystery. All right, then. On with the show. All right, hello, welcome to the House of Mystery, John Constantine and Friends podcast. Holler. Holla, holla. Holler. Show me them dollars, (laughs) and I will twerk for you. I'll do that. I have a Patreon page for our network. I'll put some twerking videos up if people want that. Like, Michael, I don't know if I want to help you, but if you want to twerk for me, (laughs) I'll twerk for a dollar. I'm cheap. All right. So today we're going to discuss John Constantine Hellblazer number four. Scrubbing up part one. (laughs) Written by Simon Spurrier. Art by Matthias Bergara. And covered by John Paul Leone. So here we are with the start of a new story arc. And a new Constantine. Yeah. <laughs> a new Constantine. <laughs> but still part of the bigger evolving story that pertains to Constantine's return. And that was the biggest takeaway for me in this issue. Because yes, yes. this issue is a lot more lighthearted than the previous three. A lot more levity um, but there is a bigger story there that's uh, that's brewing that's connected to the overall, I guess you can call it myth arc of of the new run, which we got quite a bit on that. They fleshed out the connection between the events of this issue and what happened over at Peckham Rye. Yes. So there, there are those connections. The setup for this issue is very easy. John Constantine was missing for years. And in that time, England needed a mystical protector. A guardian at the gates. Heroically, the young man known as Tommy Willowtree <laughs> stepped into the breach. Your brand new favorite character, right, Mike? No. <laughs> yeah, no. This cosmically attuned mage has held evil at bay with the force of his positive white magic, unlocking a new era of peace for the citizens of London. And his man bun. He is a gentleman. A scholar, a clean living vegan acolyte of love. <laughs> so naturally, John Constantine hates every, his effing guts. And absolutely every single Hellblazer or actually everybody who loves John hates him. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. I'll say it. Dude. I'm surprised Constantine lasted as long as he did without being negative. Without being <laughs> He was trying. He's like, listen, bro, please leave. <laughs> and and the guy wasn't getting the hint. That was the best part. Yeah, I did love the chemistry, or I should say lack of, between Willow Tree and John. Oh, yeah, that's the, that's the, the strength. The odd couple pairing I thought was really cool. Yes. How Constantine, you know, antagonistically replies to Willow Tree. And it goes over his head. <laughs> or is he just so good that it doesn't bother him? No, no. I honestly think that... Will uh, Tommy is there to kind of show that wh- how John is just, you know, like the term a man out of time. Right. That's what happened. Like you look at Tommy. Tommy is an example of I hate to say it because this makes me sound old, but he is the millennial. Oh, come on, David. <laughs> He is. Look at him. Yeah, listen, not all. Mal- don't generalize. 
<laughs> an entire generation because of a small group of individuals in the United States. Mike, Mike, Mike. You mentioned this off air. I'm going to bring it up because I loved it. He went to a anti-privilege camp. Yeah, which fuck that, dude. <laughs> if you go to an anti-privilege retreat, that actually shows just how privileged you actually are. You know the messed up part? I looked because this up. Because the non-privilege is busy working, trying yeah. to earn some scratch while you're learning <laughs> not how not to be privileged while you're sitting on your fucking ass. And you know what? Everything uh, about that character just irked me. Yes. I think that's the point. That's the point. And, and I think it's supposed to irk all the old classic Constantine fans because let's face it in today's world Constantine could not function without wanting to punch someone because like I looked this up the anti-privilege is Constantine camp, us is that us pretty much yeah, I think that, he's all, our he's our demo yeah I think we're all John Constantine but like if you I looked it up afterwards there is such a thing as I, an anti-privilege camp I know and I'm like going when did this what happened and I felt like John I'm like going did I just wake up did I just miss like years of my life? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! But like, but I, I, I don't say this. I don't believe in massive, you know, roundups. You know, I don't believe in rounding up a certain demo. You know, <laughs> we all learned from our, you know, hopefully we all learned from the atrocities of World War II and the rounding up of of the Jewish people. Uh, but I think I wouldn't be against the idea of rounding up anyone who goes to an anti-privilege retreat. I think we just round them up, lock them up, throw away the key. In fact, let's take the Mexicans out of cages. All right. And let's throw all these motherfuckers in there. But they obviously have nothing better to do. I'm like, hey, you want you really want to get rid of your privilege? Go get in this cage. Or 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 my favorite thing about Tommy, too, that just irked the crap out of John. And it was funny because it took me two times to read this to actually see that at first when I read this, I wanted to crumple up this comic because oh. I hated Tommy so much. But then after the second time I read it, I'm like, going, that's the point Yeah, that it's to show that basically John is a man out of time. Well, and yes. And that's why it worked for me. Yes. I hated the character, but I liked what he did. For yes. the, I mean, he was a, a, an awesome writing device. Pun magic, Mike. He uses pun magic. I like the poetic <laughs> side of this setup. I mean, remembering that John was given a second chance as well to be a better version of himself, which we're not quite sure if he's failing. But regardless, Tommy Willetree's kind of the other side of the coin. He's basically John Constantine, but a better version or at least superficially a better version, a pure version, a boring version I mean, that's kind of the what they were trying to allude to when uh, towards the end of the comic, even you know, they're, they're driving home the point that the guy can go round after round after round after round after round could do better magic. It just he's a better version of Constantine in, in many ways. They did focus a lot on this bit, really driving home the point that he would appear to be a would appear. We don't know the whole story yet appear to be better than John and everything a true better version. So yes, you know, this is fresh. It's unique and, and funny, but we've got to remember this is about John. John. This is Hellblazer. So everything is about John Constantine. So everything we saw with Willow tree and the, the contrast between the two, it's going to have to end up being something relevant in the way of moving the story further and connecting to John and saying something about him and where he's at four issues in or five or six issues in 
into this new series. Well, especially since, remember, the whole point about John and tying it with the old man John is old man John told him to be the better version of himself. And isn't Willow Tree kind of the better version of John? I mean, yes, it's a joke, but he essentially is. At this point, what we have <laughs> seen is... Yeah, so I, I, it's poetic. It's poetic. And like, but like, w- that's why I thought was the brilliant thing about this whole issue was story-wise, like narrative-wise, it, it was very light. It was. But like, when you look at how it ties into the narrative, the major narrative of John the as a character. The main story? The main story or the John's story, personal story? Yeah. The, the main story of John. And like... It, I thought that this was a brilliant way of showing showing him he has to start at the bottom of the barrel. He has to hit bo- rock bottom first. And then now he's trying to clean himself up. Hence, I thought that that was really, really, uh, I like the title of the, the story, uh, Scrubbing Up. Yeah. Because he's he's trying to clean himself up. He's trying to make himself a better person. I think he's trying to make himself feel better as well. I mean, we all know what's the first rule of feeling good about yourself. Take care of yourself. Take, Take care, care of, of your hygiene, your your grooming, and the way you dress. And that's essentially what I believe Spurrier was trying to convey in those yeah. opening pages. And Especially yes, in contrast same, with Tommy. Exactly. I mean, me and you, Me and you might not like the character of Tommy, but when you look at the character of Tommy takes care of himself he knows his magic he may not be perfect but he are we sure he's not perfect but the fact of matter is he knows what he's doing yeah and, in and, his own way and that's the point and i don't want to i don't want to get i don't want people thinking that when we say we hate willow tree that we complain about we're not we're not complaining about the story the story itself is fine the story itself and willow is fine. tree being in the story works great i don't i think we're supposed to be irked by him that's yes. obviously the point that's the point right and like us as as the readers that know John Constantine, this is the ultimate antithesis of John. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even the fact that we had that shit gnome. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming it's, it's shit, funny. right? I'm assuming, yes. that, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the fact that that's what brings him back down. Like he feels good, he's cleaned up, and then he's attacked by a shit, shit gnome, gnome. <laughs> and it just reminds him of his shit life and yes. where he's at. I mean, there there are a lot of smart little things there dropped smart throughout things the issue. Yeah, yeah. Spurrier did a smart thing because he realized if you look at how that was written, the first I believe three issues that we've covered was a nice tight story to kind of show John is back. Constantine is back. He's back in the back in the world. Let's throw him into a quick adventure. Show that show the audience that John is very capable. He's capable in his own way. Then in this one, this is I think this is like the step off for or the step up into the bigger narrative of like John becoming a better person and tying it to the story of him and old old John Constantine. Oh and yeah, like, for sure. And Tommy is, for lack or better, for lack or worse, but or for better or for or worse, worse, or for better or for worse, he, I believe that Tommy is going to be an ongoing thing with Constantine. Like he's he's going to be the foil of Constantine. The foil? You think so? Yes. I I because John's starting at the bottom of the barrel. He's a man out of time. He doesn't know what's going on. He has to imagine if you were trapped in a room. And you had to learn all about millennialism and you had to drink kombucha and meditate and 
<laughs> Suddenly you have a man bun. Hey, you'd be lost. <laughs> you would be lost. I, I just, and it's a culture shock. I it's think. a culture. Sh- exactly. It's a culture shock. And that's, I th- I was like going, this is the perfect way of putting Constantine at his lowest because honestly, as a character, Constantine's very powerful. We all know this. He's one of the most powerful magicians in DC history. Well, it's just another obstacle. And I yeah. think ultimately that's another way you can look at Willow tree is that it's to remind him of just how much he doesn't know about he, today's behind culture. The game how right can now. he investigate exactly. when he doesn't quite understand how everything works? For God's sakes, in the very beginning, he's talking to vestibule and in his cell phone and he can't figure out how to use his cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> and so, that, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, Really, uh, I I didn't think he would uh, Spurrier would go this route with Constantine, and show that this is a weakness. But it really does work, showing it that does. basically, yeah, he's a man out of time. Yeah. He's that's his ultimate weakness right now. It works. All right, so let's dig a little deeper into what we learned in terms of the bigger story. Someone or something is sending a shit gnome to kill John. <laughs> this is a plot point that does in fact bring Willow Tree and John together. And this connection seems to bring a socio-political issue into play. Yes. Uh, the Ravens, the Ravens only attack via a burn hex and they only attack foreigners. Not entirely sure how this will factor in, but it will be interesting how this evolves and rolls into the bigger story. Uh, Constantine has never, the title, I should say, of Hellblazers never really veered away from politics. So this shouldn't become, this shouldn't be a, a surprise to anyone that yet again, we have another issue that delves into a topic of racism, uh, much like what we did with the first three issues with the hobo racist. With the hobo racist, yeah. So Willowtree also mentions this evil that is causing all sorts of weird things to happen. A mobile evil, he calls it. And he caught a glimpse of who it was before it shut him out. And it was an old man. And I'm I'm assuming all of us can are all on the same page. It's obviously old man, old man Constantine. Constantine. It has to be. So he's up to no good. Unless this is all like misdirection and perhaps it may look like he's doing something bad, but in actuality, he's and, he's going through the motions to set things right, to fix things. And if it calls for doing a few bad things overall, it'll end well. We will see. It will, will be see. interesting to see that if old man Constantine isn't actually a villain either, that he's actually fighting a, a much greater evil and he's doing certain things that maybe even Constantine wouldn't do because he has no soul. So it will be interesting to see how that all folds, that unfolds. I'm very excited to see where that story aspect goes and how long it will go for. I mean, do you have a prediction on issue count? Like how many issues do you think this will be a thing? I think honestly, this, this, this particular run is from probably two issues of scrubbing up. Well, I know scrubbing right. up. I'm talking about the old man Constantine aspect. Do you think this is a two year type thing? Do you think this is a 24 issue type of scenario? It could be because like, here's the thing. Constantine is starting from the bottom up and we know how powerful old man Constantine is just by seeing what he's able to do. Yeah. So John has a long way to go. Even, even if Tommy, Tommy is as capable as he's, uh, we see in this issue. Constantine is like, like 
laps behind. He has to, the whole point right now that I see out of this issue, Constantine is kind of like in a, in a, in a running race, right? He's been lapped by everybody maybe four times now. He has to make up the times that he's been lapped and then he has to get in front of the pack. And right. the leader of the pack is old man Constantine. So I think it's going to be at least two years. Yeah. I'd be surprised if they rush right through this. Yeah, I, I think we're going to keep getting that connection, especially if you look at past Hellblazer stories. Some of those stories, the bigger story, the bigger picture stories, they go on for quite some time. And it makes sense now when you think about it. Me and you were speculating why Constantine has been jumping in and out of the Sandman universe titles. And we get John here. We get John here. And it seems like he's trying to do different things in each issue. And after reading this issue, it dawned on me the reason why I think Constantine is jumping through all the issues isn't just, you know, outside trying to make Constantine the face of the Sandman universe, but narratively, he's trying to catch up to everybody. He's trying to learn, okay, you know, over at Books of Magic, he he has to learn this type of magic. Then he has to, over at Lucifer, on the Lucifer narrative, there's this type of magic or sacrifice he has to learn about. And if you look at all the times that they do tie-ins, Constantine is going into this trying to learn something. What he's trying to do is actually try to catch up to everybody. Well, yeah, because he's not the man that has all the answers anymore. He's not the man with the, all the answers. And, and sometimes, as we know, he doesn't have the answers even before, but at least he can pretend. He can pretend. But the fact that he has no baseline for even pretending, he is completely just kind of incompetent at times. Right And now. again, that's the strength of issue number 14. And, and I don't want to say he's incompetent because obviously we saw how he put to rest the hobo racist. I mean, it was brilliant. It was classic Constantine, you know, yeah. it was a trick of the hand maneuver. And then he ended up getting the hobo racist to essentially hang himself. So he's not inept. He's just kind of, again, going right back to what you've been saying. He's out of his element and that's something that we're going to be dealing with for quite some time. Quite some time. Because remember, I mean, when we covered the last issue, one of the biggest things that we were saying is John had to rely on his old tricks. At the very end, in order for him to succeed, he had to he had to actually rely on being his old self. Yeah. Because and that was the big thing of him, you know, talking to I think it was uh, vestibule and talking, talking to him and saying, "Oh, I need to talk to uh the, the his old driver." And vestibule says, "Oh, who's that?" And then John stops and says, "Oh, yeah, that's right, he's not here." And then we, uh, I was, uh, I remember speculating about that in the last issue is the only thing that John succeeded in was going back to his old ways, and it worked for that moment. But now here. We he had uh, I think the moral of that uh, or his lesson was he has to learn to adapt now. Yeah, and the, hence why in this one he is so out of his element. Well, yeah, and that's why he just completely loathes Willow Tree because <laughs> it's reminding him of just how how out of it he really is. I mean, he can't even keep up with the drinking. Come on now, that was sad. Yeah. <laughs> also, Willow Tree's vision quest. This part is kind of interest is interesting and allowed him to track and mark all of the instances where dark energies have taken root. The the cause of many of these problems, 
uh, that I'm assuming they're going to be investigating, which we had found out obviously is being done via the old man, old Constantine. And the, the funnily, you know, and comedically, the map forms into the shape of a dick, <laughs> which which I'm sorry. Come on. I mean, now we know that's Constantine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is how we get confirmation that the events at Peckham Rye were, in fact, a part of what's going on right now. All right. So let's talk about the the lighter mood that this issue obviously had. Do you think this is the reason why we had a different artist? I believe so. I think that ultimately is why after reading this issue, you could tell the tone is different. And if they went completely different, if if they went with the same artist, don't get me wrong. I still say the art compared the art in this compared to the first three issues. I like the art in the first three issues. The, uh, The art there just fit perfectly with you know, the style and the, the, what we expect out of a Hellblazer comic. It had, it fit the, the entire story and the mood that um, Spurrier was creating. Was creating. It, it fit well or meshed well with the whole horror noir. Whereas this one, as Spurrier has said in a couple of interviews now, I believe one it recently in the Hollywood Reporter, he had said that the fourth issue and the second two-parter story scrubbing up will be a little more blackly comedic. Yes. And and you could tell because of all the tones, the color tones, they're much lighter even though they deal even though the script within the art is uh, a little dark. I mean, you're dealing with a shit gnome. <laughs> that's that's kind of funny to me. It, it I, is funny. I, I think everything about this issue was a lot more lighthearted. Lighthearted. And and, and it does fit the new character that they introduced this week. So I'm willing to bet that's the reason why Aaron Campbell had not been used. Cause you and I was, we were both speculating on why Aaron Campbell would leave for two issues. And we had thought maybe he had a prior commitment and he just wasn't able to. So then they brought Mateus uh, Bergara to come in for issues four and five. But if it's solely from a, a mood point like hey we need to convey a different mood and Campbell is with the high contrast and dark tones and it fits well with the horror but here we're gonna have a little more fun let's let's maybe try out another artist for these issues and yeah and I'm okay with that I mean it works although it in my personal taste uh, Aaron Campbell is the way to go every single time for Hellblazer my own personal taste I I'm not a fan of switching art in the middle of uh, a run. Now, sometimes after like issue, you know, 24 or issue 12, issue 36, you bring in a new team, right? Yes. Then I understand you have a new writer. You have a new artist many times. That's okay. But switching in between a run, I, I am not a fan of it. I mean, I'm not talking shit about how this issue looked. It's beautiful. I mean, Matea Bergara isn't no chump. He isn't a chump. The guy can write. The guy, the guy can can art his ass off. But me personally, it just kind of throws me off. You it know, especially d- imagine reading these in years to come. It you does. know, for let's say you get the the volume. You know, the the compiled issues, right? Yeah. I mean, imagine going from issue three to issue four, not really knowing what's going on. Like, wow, this is very very different. This is different. 
And I get comic books do that, Dave. We we know that. We read comic books. We get that they do that. And I say the same thing all the time. I just don't like it personally. Yeah. And the, the only time that for me it works is if it follows the narrative. It really does. Well, it did. And it, it does. It does. So you're okay with the art. I'm okay with yeah. the art. But make no mistake, I'm with you. I like Aaron Campbell's art just on a personal basis. I'd rather have Aaron Campbell. But I honestly think that the change in in artist here was done for narrative purposes. See, yeah, I get that. But even like, oh, man, I don't want to be an asshole. But even like Constantine just looked different. Like, And when he you does. change... If page oh, one, man, I just, page one, he looks completely different. And I don't want to be negative because, again, I want people to understand I am not talking shit about that. I mean, this is an A-plus comic issue, okay? Period. Yeah. But, again, imagine change, and I know it's a different medium, but for me, imagine recasting your character in a TV show for two or three episodes. And the actor looks completely different. That's essentially what they do here. You have an idea of what this individual looks like, you know, in from Aaron Campbell's mind, right? And then now he looks completely different, completely different looking character. Doesn't even look like the John Constantine we have read in the last three issues. Oh, yeah. So that's the only, that's my problem with it. Just, it kind of pulls me out at times. And my mind finds it difficult to connect the stories as I'm reading because of how vastly different the art is 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 that does that make sense no that does it does make sense i mean i get i get it it's one of the most it's one of the most difficult things to do why i don't like crossovers yeah i don't like crossovers either when basically or even like tie-ins because you jump to a tie-in and all of a sudden like totally different artist totally different writer and you're you're like going the characters act different. We just talked about this in a, I want to say a Star Wars issue we were talking about for the Star Wars show. Like we're like, we think they change artists because the characters look completely different. Like what? Yeah. Vader now looks like a vinyl pop figure. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But like the one thing that really, really struck me in the very beginning was the first two pages. You could tell the difference in the art right from the get go. And I was hoping it would be like a seamless transition, but instead they went, no, no, it's completely different. You get to the shot of Constantine and he doesn't even look like Constantine. <laughs> and I'm like going, okay. He actually looks kind of ugly. <laughs> he does. And I'm like, man, you were, he, you had yourself a Campbell was drawing a good looking Constantine. Even when he was punched in the eye, he still looked good looking. Now he just looks like a troll. He looks like a troll. He looks like, he, lo- he he doesn't look like John, but then I started thinking to myself, I think that's the whole point. As I probably re- you're David, you're not you're you're right. Yeah, I'm sure that's the entire point. Spurrier isn't a noob. He knows what he's trying to do. He knows why he's going to bring in another artist. Uh, you know, writer's prerogative. Writer's it's prerogative. his call, and I trust Spurrier because he does a great job. But just again, let's just end this topic because we're beating a dead horse. But Hey, you know what? My personal taste, I like having those those artists all the way through. The same artists. Same here. I mean, I think the, uh, I, I'm with you on that boat. Where all right. You need, the, you need the same writer, same artist just to actually carry on your, on your narrative. Yeah. Let's get into our final thoughts. I'll start this time. Uh, this is an 82% for me. Uh, good, solid read. 
I like the connections, like the further further fleshing out of the overall bigger picture story, the myth arc, if you want to call it that. Um, but ultimately, I felt like there was a lot of wasted space. Uh, we were we had, were definitely used to Spurrier writing a lot more, I guess, as a way to put it. There's a lot of talking. There's a lot of story. And this was a lot of open pages, less confining panels and two or three pages sometimes with not a lot going on in terms of story. It's more visual atmospheric, perhaps again, maybe that's the point. Um, but yeah, I felt like this issue was more or less um, maybe three or four pages of actual story and the rest was just comedic. And I guess set up moving into the fifth issue. So I think this storyline is going to really hinge on how great the next issue is, right? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. 84%, I believe that that's what I said, right? 80, I thought you said 82. 82%, yeah. All right, Dave, what about you? I'm going to give this one a bit higher. I'm going to give it an 85. Um, just because, just like what you said, when you're dealing with such a jarring change, it's it could take your audience out of reading your comic. This kind of did. However, after reading it like two or three times, I started seeing the the connections that, okay, the reason why this is happening here is because of this. The reason why we're, we're getting like that jarring, um, jarring change from what we saw in the first three issues to right here is I'm hoping, I'm hoping now that, that the, the, tr- the, the reason why was because it follows John trying to become a better person. He's trying to actually fit into the new world. He's been gone for, I think, I think he made illusions that he's been gone for like eight, 10 years. So that's a long time to be gone. And that means that he has to catch up. And he was gone much longer than that. He was gone since 93, I believe. Uh, I'm, I'm going on what uh, Tommy said because Tommy said he was missing for some time. I didn't know. I think he said he mentioned something in a bubble that said that for him, John was missing for at least 10 years. Weird because the events of the books of magic was 1993, I believe. Let me. uh, And he was brought into 2020. Yeah. But it's okay. I mean, this is a technicality. If we're wrong, we're wrong. Doesn't matter. Go well, ahead. With not your only thoughts. that, the reason why I bring that up is because, just like what you said, we as the audience know how long John has been gone. Tommy makes this illusion, and all of a sudden, after the second go round, when I read this, I'm like, going, wait a minute. So you mean to tell me that people realized Constantine was missing just ten years? If Tommy's right, something big happened, or something big has happened. Well, and he said, didn't he say that someone needed to, someone needed to fill in the, 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 the shoes. Yeah. So that's why I was like, all right, suddenly now I'm beginning to, it, it's like forming a puzzle <laughs> and Spurrier put out a really, really elaborate puzzle that basically it takes you a couple times to uh, look at, look at it and kind of piece it together. And that's why the score of this comic started going up on me. I started at like a 78. But it went up as I was looking into it saying, okay, so these are little like nil narrative nods. Why this looks like this. I may not be a big fan of the art and I'll, I took majority of my points away because of the art, but because 
to me, it feels like the art choice was chosen because of a narrative choice. Right, right. Okay, yeah. it goes up. Yep. <laughs> Jesus, you're confusing me, right? I need a chart for this. <laughs> I know. Like, it's like just the way you're like, the, the, the way red you, your final thoughts are just confusing right now. It's like, Dude, well, then I go up and then the narrative nods. And you know, you know, I what I, you know what I've been loving about covering, you know, like Hellblazer comics? And I forgot how much I love these comics is Hellblazer comics make you put like a little pin and then, you know, like the whole conspiracy, uh, conspiracy room where you see all the lines going everywhere. Yeah. That's what Hellblazer comics David, do. you just need to stop right now because I'm going to need a, a dick graph to understand your final thoughts. If, I know. If you don't, just slow down. <laughs> All right. I want to thank everybody for listening. This does conclude our discussion on Hellblazer number four, or should I say John Constantine Hellblazer number four. We will be back very soon with another edition of the House of Mystery. Thank you, David. Bye-bye and good night. My name is John Constantine. I'm the one who steps from the shadows, all trench coat and arrogance. I'll drive your demons away, kick them in the bollocks and spit on them when they're down, leaving only a nod and a wink and a wisecrack. I'll walk my path alone, because let's be honest. Who'd be crazy enough to walk it with me?